1: to another edition of the Night Report Podcast. Joining me once again is Richie Schneiderite. I am your co-host Mike Broadbent. Uh, Richie, our final football game, mercifully, of the season is <clears a> throat> Saturday throat> at, at Maryland. We're going to preview that. We have Scott Green coming on from the uh, Maryland Rivals site shortly. Um, we had a basketball game last night where Rutgers uh, once again looked like the team. They looked like the first three games of the season. Um, but first, let's do a little sponsor read. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by bet online, uh, basketball season is back and bet online, uh, continues to be your number one resource for all your sports wagering needs. Um, bet online is your go-to resource for all sports betting, including NBA, NFL, NBA, college football, and, uh, MMA and golf. Uh, sorry, going off the top of my head here. Uh, it's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events. You can head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts.
2: And our other sponsorship, uh, as always, it's Adam Goldman. He's the franchise coach. If you're tired of that 9-to-5 job, sitting in that cubicle all day, every day, uh, hit him up. He can, he can help you change your entire uh, career and uh, kind of give you your own type of American dream. You can kind of own your own business um, you can kind of go in basically any direction with this, whether it be food industry. Um, I know I always say medical supplies, but there's so many things you can do. Um, you can even start your own like, kind of bookie service, I guess, if you really want to, um, oh that one might be a little difficult, <laughs> but uh, that one yeah. might be a little bit more difficult to start. But, uh, if, uh, you want to change your career up, uh, give them a call today, 844-800-3726 or franchisecoach.net.
1: All right, so let's start with some basketball. Uh, last night, Rutgers had a game at Jersey Mike's. Uh, they played uh, Ryder. They were like a 15-and-a-half-point um, favorite in that game. They ended up winning 76-46. to 46. Uh, Rutgers had a, a huge bounce back. They looked better than they have. Uh, they looked arguably the best they have all season. What did you see last night out of Rutgers that uh, made you think that they're back on the right track?
2: Um, they hit threes. They finally yep. made a, a couple more, more than one three in a game, which was nice. Um, mind you, it still wasn't good. Thirty three percent from three is not not anything to brag about. But uh, yep, that was nice. They moved the ball a lot better. Um, rebounding was was pretty decent. I wouldn't say great because they almost got out rebounded by this Rider team after yeah, it all continues said and to be done. A,
1: a problematic area for the team.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I know. Quiff um, obviously gets his double digits, which is which is nice. But I, I would love to see him be more aggressive down there on on the boards, especially. Um, but no, I think we saw Cliff, um, be typical Cliff. Like he, uh, he's, he's pretty much mastered the, um, uh, interior game, I guess on offense, but his, his defense is still a little bit of lackluster in my opinion. I think he needs to step it up there. Um, Derek Simpson played pretty well. Mags not taking any crazy shots. Um, like he did the past couple games, he was taking what he, what he could do. And he didn't take many. I think he only took like three or four, but. Um, He played well, and and some of these guys really didn't play all that well because the starters contributed most of the points, minus uh, Wolfolk, who, rising star, I I guess we could put him in that
1: category. He was probably the most impressive guy for me last night.
2: Yeah, near double-double in just 19 minutes. This is a former three-star football recruit that was playing. (laughs) What are we playing football at this time last year? Yep. Um, It it is insane that he's been so good and just developed so nicely. Um, I still think the bench is a concern, but I'm going to – table that one for later in the season, just because you're missing McConnell and Mulcahy. So probably Simpson comes off. Hyatt comes off. Wolfwalk's been yep. pretty solid, but um, yeah, Cam Spencer still, he, he's that guy. He, he is him if you want to call him that, but uh, <laughs> he's, he's been that the leader of this team so far. And I, I think um, everything I, I, I'm not going to toot my own horn here too much, but everything I said in our preseason stuff has been pretty spot on. I said, Reaver's a backup. Which which it kind of is. I said um, Cam Spencer's almost leading the team in points. If not leading, it would be Cliff. I said Cliff's going to average a double double. He's basically doing that. So I mean, I, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit. We I have been pretty fucking spot on. Yeah,
1: yeah. They I thought they played outstanding defense last night. Um, they were just they continued to just totally shut down passing lanes. They had a ton of blocks. Like this team just gets so many steals. Uh, it's just. When you have a, a, a team that's <clears throat> overmatched size-wise, like, like Ryder was last night, it's mm-hmm. just impossible to get passes into guys, especially on the interior, um, in the paint. Uh, I, I do think three-point shooting from one player was really good. So Cam Spencer was four for seven from, from three. The rest of the team was one for eight. So that continues to be a concern. Um, I do think once Cam <clears> – <throat> I'm sorry, once uh, – <clears throat> Once McConnell and once uh, once Paul come back, we will be like nine or ten deep, which is probably the deepest team Pike has had in terms of actual guys who can step in and give you good minutes. So you have obviously the starting five right now. Then you have Wolfolk, you have Jalen Miller, you have Dean Reber, and then you have the two guys who are currently hurt. So this team, I, I know that uh, Joe Lenardi <laughs> has, uh, you were mentioning this earlier, he has currently ten Big Ten teams in the tournament right now, and Rutgers is not one of them. I think it's absolutely preposterous. I think it's more likely that Rutgers wins the Big Ten than misses the NCAA tournament this year. I don't think that's hyperbolic. I just think we're a really good team. We're veteran-led. We're, we're deep. This is a team that could make some noise into the tournament. Uh, Cliff has really taken that, that next step. He's probably the big, best big man in the Big Ten right now. Cam Spencer might be you know one of the top five scorers in the Big Ten. So this is a team that's it's, it's going to be dangerous all season. Um, I'm really excited to see what they look like against some top competition.
2: Yeah, that that's a pretty big uh, hot take from Joe Lenardi. I know it's so early in the season, and it it's, it does get fans riled up a little bit just seeing like a projection that's in November still. Like you got a lot of time to go, but um, yeah, I, I mean obviously, um, <clears throat> just looking at the schedule, losing to a, a 100 level team in like Temple, it's not going to help. Um, it's not Lafayette bad. It's not going to kill your entire like chances at the tournament, but it, it's definitely not going to help you make the tournament either. Yep. Um, but I, I think, um, as I said last time in our last pod, this team has always been pretty good with adversity. And they've always bounced back really well, these Pikes teams. So this loss against Temple and then you win against Ryder by 30, you probably beat Central Connecticut State by 30. And then it's going to come down to the, these Miami, Indiana, Ohio State, Seton Hall, Wake Forest. Like That's a tough stretch now. Yep. Will they bounce back and just dominate in a couple of these? Who knows? Like it's It's tough to say, but... I think in order to do that, you're definitely going to need your two uh, your two starters back, especially Paul, because the ball just wasn't moving at all versus Temple. It moved better versus Ryder, but it's still it, it needs a you need a facilitator, and uh, you don't really have one yep. at the moment.
1: Yeah, no the the first three games of the season where Paul was kind of the primary facilitator was it was kind of like I hate to get all like flowery with this. It was kind of like watching like. Like, poetry. Like, the guys were moving the ball so well. They got those extra passes in. They always seemed to find a wide-open shooter. Uh, obviously, we're playing against pretty poor competition in those games, too. But the offense looked crisp. Like, everything looked like it was firing on all cylinders. Um, so, it, it is nice for for Derek Simpson, honestly, to get these minutes early in the season when the games don't matter as much. So, when it's later in the season we need him, uh, it, it works out. Scott uh, Scott Green. What's going on, man? appreciate you coming on to help us preview the Maryland football game against the uh, Rutgers this I'm um, doing all How's right. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. We were just no complaints. wrapping up some basketball talk here. Um, so Maryland is 6-5 and five on the season. They've already wrapped up a bowl appearance. So this game is kind of meaningless for both teams. A little bit more meaningful for Maryland. <laughs> we might be able to get a little bit better of a bowl with a win. Uh, tell us a little bit about how the season's gone for Maryland overall uh, and just where this team stands in week 12. Yeah, I
0: mean, I think, you know, it's been a bit of an improvement over last season. I mean, obviously, they got a chance to win seven, four regular season Big Ten games, which would be the most under Loxley yet. Um, but, you know, obviously, they really struggled there in those two road games coming off the bye. Um, played well against Ohio State Michigan, obviously came up short in both those games. Um, but, you know, you, you know, you say it's not a huge game for Maryland, but I, I mean, I hate to say it, but getting to seven regular season wins is gigantic for Loxley. I mean, it's something he kind of has to do at this point, given where they were after eight games. So I actually think this is a huge game for Maryland and one that they're going to be really up for. So, I mean, I get it in the grand scheme of things. They're already in a bowl, but I think for a lot of reasons, this is a big game for them.
2: I guess let's just start off with the offense. Um, Talia, just t- tell me about him. How, how good has he been this season? Um, I know, obviously, there's a lot of hype preseason about yeah, him.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's been pretty good. You know, obviously, um, most games, you know, throwing out, <laughs> again, those two games on the road against Wisconsin and Penn State, you know, other than that, has been pretty good. He looked pretty good last weekend against Ohio State, um, you know, except for maybe that last play. But, you know, you know I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to say it, I think a lot of, A lot of the issues he had weren't really necessarily his issues, but issues in front of him. Um, You know, the offensive line returned six starters this year, basically. Um, You know, they were good at the beginning of the season. They've really struggled of late. And, you know, I've kind of been talking to this about some people. You know, I feel like the left tackle Jalen Duncan got a lot of the hype in the preseason. But with their starting left guard, Mason Lunsford, out for those two games, um, I mean, simply put, the offense fell apart. (laughs) Um, they were awful, and with him back this last game against Ohio State, they looked good again. So I'd actually say Mason Lunsford is possibly the most important guy in that offense right now. Um, he's back. He's healthy. He looked good against Ohio State. So um, I think, obviously, that's good news for them You know, this weekend.
1: Uh, so you guys have probably played Michigan and Ohio State in terms of like both teams, the closest of any teams all season. What do you think – Was the reason for that? Is it because you have such a high powered offense that you're able to kind of keep up score wise? Yeah, I mean,
0: I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, I think, too, you know, at least in the Michigan game, you you know, if you go and look at the stats, Maryland's very um, penalty prone. And, you know, the Michigan game, they had one.
2: one, Same here. They had (laughs) one
0: penalty, and that wasn't, I, I believe, until late in the fourth quarter. So I think that had a big, big part, played a big part as far as Michigan, Ohio State. Um, it was by far the best crowd they've had, you know, this season and the fans were really into it. So I think having, you know, a, a loud home crowd really played a part um, last weekend. But I think those are kind of two of the key reasons that they were really able to keep those games close.
2: And, and I know I just asked you about the quarterback, but I also want to talk about and you talked about the offensive line. But what we didn't talk about was the skill position players. Rakeem Jarrett is, is just phenomenal between last year and this this year he's kind of it looks like he's settled down a little bit this year is it just a matter of the receptions getting kind of thrown around more or
0: yeah i I feel like you know obviously i think everyone between the three of us knows how talented he is i mean he was a five star coming into college park Mm -hmm. um was really good last year you know obviously the team's leading receiver uh you know he's had some moments this year i feel like part of it is when there have been breakdowns on the offense, I feel like he's kind of just gotten – it's mental. He's just kind of gotten frustrated. Um, you really see it in his run blocking. It, it, it's normally very good. He's one of the best run blockers on the team on the outside. It hasn't been good the last few games. And I think that kind of leads me to believe that, you know, some of it's kind of mental and that, you know, he's a little frustrated that he hasn't maybe been getting as many looks as he was earlier in the season. Um, but, you know, the talent's there. Um, he's going to be a, a pro. He's going to play on Sundays. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, he's still, you know, talent-wise, I think, by far the most talented receiver on the team.
1: So you guys started off 6-2, and two, like you said, after eight games. You guys – I don't know if you were ranked at any point this year, but you were really close to being ranked. Um, what has it been over the last quarter of the season – or the last third of the season that you've seen this big drop-off? Because you, you've lost three straight games. The Penn State game was – a really poor performance by you guys. What would you point to as being the main reason for the three games? Yeah, I
0: mean, well, first, I mean, obviously, in the the two lo- road losses, you got to talk about the weather. I mean, Wisconsin, obviously, it it was it was you know the biggest factor. I mean, there was like twenty five mile an hour sustained winds, like fifty mile an hour gusts. Um, you know, wet balls. I mean, I think as far as Wisconsin, I think for both teams, that was the biggest factor. You know, Penn State. You know, Again, it was wet and cold, but I, I, I think after the weather, I, I think I kind of already touched on it. I think not having starting left guard Mason Lunsford there and then just basically having to shift everyone over on the offensive line, especially at center where they've had some issues this year anyways. So now you're playing with a new center, a new left guard, and I, I just feel like it really affected the protection up front. I mean, it, you know, as bad as Tungavailoa was, um, and, and he struggled. And I think mentally and throwing the ball, he struggled. I don't think it was all physical. I think a lot of it was in his head. But, I mean, the guy was running for his life <laughs> in two of those games and, and a bit last week as well. So, I again, I feel like the biggest issue was just the protection up front on offense. And with and you saw it against Ohio State with with Lunsford back there starting at left guard and guys back in the regular positions. The offense looked much better again.
2: And then just flipping to the other side of the ball, I know obviously the numbers don't show this defense being that good. I think they're giving up 26.3 points per game. But after watching last week, Tarheeb still is the Jersey boys, pretty good lockdown corner for the most part. But uh, obviously it was a tough Ohio State game. But uh, can, you, can you just talk about this side of the ball? Yeah,
0: I mean, when you talk about the defense, I think the strength is definitely on the back end. I would say the, the starting safeties, um, Dante Trader Jr. and Bo Braid, they've both been. You know, really good, especially for first-year starters and being younger guys. Um, you know, Trader's a phenomenal athlete. Braid's a big hitter back there. And then, you know, you, like you kind of mentioned, you talk about also the corners, the guys on the outside. Um, Ja'Corian Bennett, I mean, he's one of the best corners in the country. I think he, I believe he still leads the nation in pass breakups. Um, has a couple of interceptions this year. Um, you know, he's really good. Big physical corner. And then, you know, you kind of touched on Tarheem still as well. Um, You know, he plays some nickel, plays some on the outside, but, you know, he's a very talented corner, um, able to really lock guys down as well. So I feel like, you know, the the back end, the corners and the safeties are really the strength of this defense this year.
1: So I think this game opened up as Maryland is like a 14 point favorite. I don't know if the line shifted at all. So obviously Maryland is a heavy favorite here. How do you see this game playing out? Kind of give us your expectations for kind of the score and.
0: How they play the game, yeah. Actually goes. I mean, I'm gonna be honest, I haven't seen too, too much of Rutgers this year. What I have seen, honestly, they haven't looked that bad. Um, but you know, that said, where I had no expectations for Maryland heading into that Ohio State game, now that I've seen the offense with Lunsford back along the offensive line, I feel a lot better about where they kind of stand heading into this one. Um, you know, and being at home, and like I said, being kind of more important, I think, for this team than people might feel. I, I feel like 14 points is probably about right. Um, you know, I think Rutgers is going to score some. Um, you know, they might be in it for a while, but I feel like eventually Maryland's offense should have enough firepower um, at the skill positions to, to hopefully, you know, kind of pull ahead there at the end and maybe come away with, say, a... 28 or 35 to 14 type victory, I think. That's
2: fair. It's probably about right. So I wanted to ask you, what, what's the feeling like among the Maryland fan base for this game? I know Rutgers fans kind of want to make this a trophy game, a rivalry game. It's already the last game of the season every year now at this point. So what, how, how do you feel about making it a rivalry, and what do the, the fans yeah, feel about I, it?
0: Yeah, I feel like most of the fans just kind of feel like... <laughs> Rutgers I mean I hate saying this but I almost feel like they think Rutgers is being being kind of a forced rivalry you know obviously I feel like they yep. want Penn State to be the rivalry um and you know then they mm-hmm. they they the games you know the date way back like 50 60 years so there's definitely more history with Penn State that said it's pretty lopsided history um so you know I I don't know I feel like the fans feel like it's kind of forced but you know especially when you look at the the makeup of the students. I mean, there are a ton of kids from Jersey that go to Maryland. Um, So so I feel like it it is kind of the more natural rivalry. And it might take some time, but I think eventually, you know, fans are going to grow into it.
1: What you've described is basically exactly how Rutgers (laughs) fans feel. Like the Maryland game feels like the rivalry that's forced. We want to be rivals with Penn State. Penn State doesn't really care about us. They're, the lopsided history says speaks for itself, and until we start winning consistently, like we haven't beaten Penn State since '88. I know you guys beat them. I want to say in like two, 20, two years, 19? ago,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, two years. Sorry, so 2020, um, and that was was that the no handshake game? At no, the, that the kickoff? was the one
0: before that, or was or that. Was that a different year? I think I want to say like 2016 or 17, maybe.
1: Okay, so you guys have beaten them a decent amount the last few years, so the, hmm. the rivalry is more legitimate for you guys at Penn State than us, but um. Well, I do want to pivot to uh, just I say, oh, the ahead, thing that's sorry. kind of
0: funny to me is just because I've got some Penn State folks on my in-law side of the family, but you, you, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, you, you, know, you talk this. to them and they all think like Ohio State's their rival. It's Like my best friend played Bryce, they, they don't, they don't give a rat's ass about Penn State, <laughs> like. Well, that's the weird thing is
1: Penn State finds itself like in this limbo where they're they're, like the third best team in the conference, but none of the top two feel like they're the rival with Penn State. Maybe Michigan a little bit more because they've had some close games, but yeah, Hmm. they're in like the same state (laughs) as us, just a little more elevated. Um, I do want to talk to you about a few just general athletic department stuff with Maryland. Tell us a little bit about what the NIL collective scene is with Maryland and just NIL in general at Maryland and how our fans are kind of approaching this new era of recruiting in all sports. Yeah, I mean,
0: I feel like Maryland definitely started off behind the eight ball. It definitely took them a while to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, But, you know, at this point, they've got three solid collectives. Um, There's actually one, uh, you know, a pretty big one, obviously, for football um they you know they had some big donors that started one for basketball and believe it or not they've actually started a pretty um successful collective for uh, lacrosse as well uh, which I, I mean, you probably don't think you probably see at a I lot of schools, it at all schools but you know given their success not really surprised I mean, um but you know yeah, you guys had like one of the best seasons uh, ever for college it, lacrosse this past year exactly so I believe it so you know you've got three pretty big collectives at the moment um I you know I think football I think they have the potential to have a lot of success bringing guys in. I mean, obviously, you know, you've got Kevin Plank, you know, helping back that. Um, so Under Armour, you know, working there, um, and, you know, and same a little bit for basketball. But, you know, basketball has got a huge following, um, not just down here, but especially in the New York City area, which I think helps a lot. So, you know, like I said, they start, definitely started behind the eight ball, but they've got three solid collectives now going. I think they're definitely going to um, help and be successful going forward.
2: It, to kind of piggyback off that one. I want to talk about this this one specifically. The best is a head mm-hmm. foundation. It, it's more about helping. just can you explain a little bit? I know I'm just reading it like right now, but it's just more about helping the guys after yeah, college.
0: Well, not even necessarily, but you know too, you know they want the guys to kind of get out and in, in the you know get out um, in the community and kind of help out you know with some charities and things like that. And, yeah, it's about helping them after college. But, you know, obviously, you know, they're going to get some help now, too, as well, you know. And like I said, I think Under Armour will play a part in that. But, yeah, it's not just about, you know, getting them paid now up front. It's about helping them, you know, land high-paying jobs afterwards. You know, being in the D.C. area, there are a lot of high-paying jobs. I mean, you guys know Rutgers up in that area as well. But... Yeah, there are a lot of high paying jobs in this area and there are a lot of influential folks that can help people land these jobs. So, it's not just about getting cash up front, you know, also helping them get to a position where they're making a lot of money for the long term.
2: Yeah, tell that to Miami <laughs> and Texas now. <A&M. laughs> I didn't name them, but
1: I want, to, I want to talk a little bit about Maryland basketball. Obviously, you guys had a, a coaching hire in the offseason. You hired coach. Rutgers fans are very familiar with and former Seton Hall yep. coach Kevin Willard. And it seems like he's done a great job turning you guys around in the first year there. You guys are 5-0 and right now. You're ranked 23rd in the country. You just beat a team that we're actually going to play in the near future in Miami on the road. You kicked the shit out of them. I think it was like 88-70. to 70. Tell us a little bit about how you feel Willard's doing. What's the vibe on Willard? And can you tell us a little bit about the, the Maryland-Miami or the Maryland uh, Miami game? Because since we play them, Rutgers fans will be interested in hearing how you guys think Miami players. Yeah, I mean,
0: well, first I want to say I love Isaiah Wong. I think he's a tremendous player. Um, you know, they, they've got Jersey some boy. talent. Um, you know, that said, they just they couldn't rebound. I mean, Maryland just dominated on the boards, which is a bit surprising because Maryland's pretty much on the small side and doesn't have much of a front court. Um but but it's pretty okay. much as simple as that. They dominated on the boards and, and hit their threes, and that was that. I mean, it was pretty much over from the start. Um, you know, as far as Willard, you know, he's a guy – I mean, I'll be honest. I started hearing his name as a likely successor to Turgeon, you know, almost a year before Turgeon even kind of walked out. Um, so, I, and you know, my guess is Under Armour had a little bit to do with that. And I think it was kind of time, you know, given the success. And, you know, some people say he didn't have a lot of success, but, I mean, it's Seton Hall. I mean, it's come on. Uh, it, he was it, a it's coach. a tough place to win, and he was winning. So, um, And, and yep. one thing that wasn't really talked about, too, is, you know, his winning percentage he had against the Big Ten before he got here was phenomenal. So hopefully that carries over. But, I mean, I'll be honest. I even think in most of his proponents' wildest dreams, they could have – figured he was going to do what he's done so far. I mean, he's landed three, four-star top 100 guys for next year's class. Um, He brought in a transfer, a big-time transfer who went to DeMaffa. And he's just completely changed the culture. I mean, I I hate to say it, but Mark Turgeon, you know, for example, this time of year, guys were taking weeks off during Thanksgiving. I mean, literally not practicing. Uh, Going home for Thanksgiving, not practicing. And, and to be to be honest, it showed. I mean, you could tell guys weren't learning sets maybe like they should have. And, um, you know, they looked like they had maybe taken some time off. You know, there's none of that with Kevin Willard. I mean, you go hard for two hours during practice. You bust your ass during games. And if you don't, you don't play. And, you know, he's installed a lot of new stuff. You know, they're, they're running full court pressure now, which they didn't do at all under Turgeon. You know, switching things up on defense. Um, and they really kind of have an identity. You know, they bring the ball up quickly. They, they run a quick set, and then they look for an open shot. Um, and and this team just really didn't have any sort of identity under Terjean. You know, I get it. They had talent, and they won games. But for 10 years, there was no identity. And he's kind of brought that back. So yeah. I'll be honest. I think fans are thrilled. I think even the ones that weren't on board are thrilled. And, uh, you know, I, I think the future is bright based on what we've seen so far.
2: Yeah, I, I know you mentioned some of the transfer guys, but Dante Scott does he he just keeps improving every yeah, year. I mean, well, he,
0: he struggled last year, and I, I think part of it was you know mm-hmm. what happened with Turgeon, you know, having Danny Manning come in. You know, one of the one of the younger guys talked about it in the preseason when I was talking with him. But he said, you know, when Manning came in, a lot of guys were just looking to get theirs and to get into the starting lineup, and it kind of showed. <laughs> I mean, there's just there was no cohesion <laughs> last year. This year, guys have all bought in playing together. But, yeah, you talk about Scott. I mean, he's lost 40 pounds since last season. You know, really worked on his body. Wow. Um, and, and for whatever reason, like, you know, Willard recruited him hard out of high school. But when you ask him about it, he's like, you know, you know, well, I didn't really have any kind of relationship with him. Well, it seems like they've got a great relationship right off the bat, and it's showing.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm a bit shocked at how – how quickly Willard has changed a lot of what's going on. Cause you guys probably, you guys have been soft for the last <laughs> yeah. couple of years. Um, you had, uh, you had the, the, 2019, 2020 season. Was that the Jalen Smith year? Yeah, that, that was, was the there? year that they won. They year? were in a
0: three way he... tie for the big 10 regular, the COVID year, three way tie for the title.
1: Yeah. And I feel like ever since then, you guys are just like, I don't know if, if Turdrin just kind of like lost steam or if that was kind of like, I don't know what happened, but ever since that moment, like when we beat you guys, I, I want to say, uh, Late in the season, it seems like that was the last time I really felt like, oh, man, we got to play Maryland this weekend. This is going to suck. Every other time the last couple of years, it's been like, this is man, an and easy I, game and for I'll us, um, which is not typically what Maryland Yeah, is and like. I'll say
0: this, too. I, I feel like no, part good. of the issue, too, I mean, I hate to say it, but when you talk to you know local power brokers behind the scene those last few years under Turgeon, I mean, they were out on them. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. They didn't like what they saw. They didn't want to send their kids here. Um, I I mean, and, and it was starting to show in recruiting. It was was almost like there was no point even recruiting local kids because you weren't getting them. Um, so (laughs) I think, I think that played a big part too.
2: So I know there's this video that kind of went viral a couple weeks ago against Binghamton that like the empty stands Uh completely. And I know like even like Geo Baker retweeted it at one point, um, I'm assuming that has changed since the five and zero start and the big couple big wins, or is it just a Binghamton game and that's why? And it's like, who I cares? Mean, it's, like...
0: it's a, a combination of things. I mean, first of all, no no one knew no and well, I guess to start, this team didn't really have a high expectations to begin with. Um, you know, mm-hmm. then you got to factor in, you know, a lot of these games for like weeknight week games, not on TV. You know, you got you know the DMV, you got the the capital beltway. I mean, it's a nightmare. Just, I mean, to get, to get yep. like 70 miles can take you like an hour during rush hour. Um, yeah. So, Jumping I mean, Jersey. it's a nightmare. <laughs> uh, and, and I'll say, it'll, it, it might not even be better against Coppin State on Friday. I Man, you're talking about Black Friday. There's going to be a, a World Cup game on, um, football. I mean, I mean, it might not even be, but trust me, by the time December 2nd rolls around, they're playing Illinois. It's going to be sold out. It's going to be packed. And you're pretty much going to see a packed house the rest of the season. But, you know, you've got to factor in a lot of things this time of year. You know, students just went home, just finished finals. So, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of factors right now. The first few games are pretty much, that's how they're going to be. I feel like for the rest of eternity now, you're just knocking out a lot of fans. But once December hits, it's pretty much going to be a packed house the rest of the way.
1: I think we've kind of gotten a little spoiled since we've had some success. Now it's like every game's selling out, and that's that's the way right. Maryland used to be. Like Maryland is, you know, it is a basketball school at its heart and soul, even though lacrosse is very good as well. Um, so uh, it's, it's going to be great to have another exciting opponent on the schedule that the Rutgers fans can get hyped up to, to go see, because thankfully we don't have to play you guys uh, at, on the road this year. We only play at Jersey Mike's. Um, but I think that could grow to a true rivalry is Rutgers and Maryland basketball, yeah, I think so. like football, maybe not, but yeah, especially sure. with Kevin
0: Willard now, you know, being a New Jersey guy. So
1: yeah, Definitely. Uh, well, we really appreciate you coming on. Richie, was there anything else that you wanted to, to ask Scott? Before I got we one yet? more for
2: you. I know this this whole rivalry, not rivalry thing. I've been I've been pitching this idea on Twitter, and I've been getting responses. What would you make the trophy if they made it a rivalry game? I said either like a turnpike sign, put a fucking crab on it. I don't know. Do something crazy. <laughs> like make an old bay like gold old bay. I mean, Maryland's cool. already
0: got a, a crab. Uh, Rivalry trophy with Hopkins for lacrosse, so I feel like that's already done. With Navy, right? Uh, oh, I God. don't know, not that. I don't know, like a. <clears throat> I mean,
2: it's a pretty sick-looking trophy. I'm looking at maybe, it right maybe now. Maybe
0: like an cool I-95 looking. sign.
2: Like that. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like you got to get creative. That's do. what it would have like, to be. The Ralph Friedgen Trophy, maybe. I don't know, something, do something like that. Like that. Yeah. You know, um yeah uh, i mean they got to do something I, I i think they have to do this and just make it happen i don't know what the hell you're going to do with it but i think something I, along I those say, lines yeah
0: like a cool. like a shiny like i 95 sign or something like that that'll work <laughs> yeah and call up, well, i mean i guess you can do the <laughs> turnpike turn goes for like delaware like i i feel like the turnpike wouldn't work it's got yeah. 95
2: it's funny you mentioned that because one yeah. of the top replies was just a a gold picture of Delaware and winner gets to oh keep Delaware. God. Like, here you go. Like, you, you get Delaware.
0: Congrats. I, mean, like- I don't know. Having uh, actually attended the Delaware before going to Maryland and my parents live out there now. So I'd be kind of cool with that, but I don't know how most Maryland fans would feel about that.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: I don't know how Delaware people <laughs> that, would feel true, about that that's either. True. Just like being used as a, as a trophy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Scott, where can, where can Rutgers fans find your work and find you on social media? Yeah, I mean, you obviously you
0: can find the find the work on Maryland.rivals.com, and then you can find me on Twitter at Terrap Nation.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us and talking ball here. Uh, this has been another edition of the Night Report Podcast, signing off.